This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Lord, our our right to be heard into heaven because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you turn to your Bibles, we're going to continue now in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. It's where we're at. Matthew 20, verse 20, and just follow along here as we read these uh, verses here till 28. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? She saith unto him, grant or command that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand, the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. He saith unto him, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. When the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. For whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's our verses. Now, the Lord Jesus has just ended on what has made the disciples very sad because he's just told them in verses 18 and 19 about this great suffering and what's gonna happen. And now, in our section this morning, a new person enters who is this mother of Zebedee's children, in verse 20 there, with her sons, and it says she's worshiping the Lord, but she's got something on her mind. 
Her sons would be, by the way, James and John. That would be her sons. Her, her name is actually identified in another place in the scriptures as Salome. We'll call her that. She's desiring a certain thing. And it was a custom in the Middle East to, to really step up the drama, really make something really dramatic. It was a custom to ask a person to agree or to grant a request before they even heard what it was they were going to be asked for. That was a form of drama. It was a form of excitement. We think it's absolutely ludicrous to do something like that, but that's actually the type of request that resulted in the beheading of John the Baptist, which wasn't exactly what Herod had in mind in Mark 6.22, Mark 6.22, when it says the daughter of said Herodias came in, danced, by a very lewd dance, and pleased Herod, and then that sat with him, and the king said unto the damsel, ask me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. He actually invited this type of giving the request before he heard what it was, and he swear unto her, whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, verse 23, Mark 6, Mark 6, 23. He swear unto her, whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. She went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask? She said, the head of John the Baptist. She came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger, the head of John the Baptist, the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sake, which sat with him, he would not reject her. So this is what happened in this case. Solomon actually was put up for this type of request, and he agreed in advance of hearing his mother's request to give her what she wanted, and it infuriated him because in 1 Kings 2.20, 1 Kings 2.20, he had a real problem here because he had agreed to do something he didn't want to do, which actually involved his other brother. So he solved that problem by killing his brother. But here's what happened in 1 Kings 2.20, 1 Kings 2.20. She said, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. The king said unto her, ask on my mother, for I will not say thee nay. She said, let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, thy brother, to wife. The king Solomon answered and said unto his mother, and why dost thou ask Abishag, the Shunammite, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he's mine elder brother, even for him, and for Abiathar, the priest, and for Joab, the son of Zerai. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me in house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. Yeah, I guarantee you, that was the last time that Solomon ever agreed to give his mother what she wanted before he, she told him what it was. Well, in this case, the Lord Jesus was asked to do something before he heard, but he didn't agree. He didn't agree to give Solomon here what she wanted before he knew what she was asking for, and this was not really an issue for the Lord Jesus because he knew what she was gonna ask before she did because he had that power. But she comes on kind of strong, she comes on kind of strong when she, in verse 21, when she says, when he said unto her, what wilt thou? And she says, grant, and actually the Greek word is command, that these my two sons shall sit on the one hand and the left hand in thy kingdom. I mean, can you imagine this scene? 
Can you imagine it? I mean, here's the great apostles, James and John. James, the writer of the book of James. John, the writer of the book of John. First John, second John, third John, the book of Revelation. Great men of the Bible. And they're coming with their mother to Jesus, and we can see them there, and it's a little embarrassing. Maybe it's embarrassing for them. Maybe it's embarrassing. They had to have their mother appear so strong when she take over spirit, you know. Or you know, my two boys are too shy to ask you directly, so I, being their mother, will ask for them. And you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, you took three boys with you, my two boys, James and John, and you took that other loudmouth Peter there. But now you only have two sides on the side of you in heaven. You have your left side and your right side, and I only have two sons, so it's it's agreed. It's got to be good. I mean, I'll leave it graciously up to you. You can decide which one goes on the right, which one goes on the red. I'm not going to be so commanding, but please decide what you decide right now, please. Uh, thank you. I would appreciate it. <laughs> Fix your James and John, you know, Mom, please, you're, you're embarrassing us. She's like saying, what? Embarrassing. You know, I always told you that you were above average. All my boys are above average. You're above average. So, you know, shouldn't you sit on two sides? Of course. Right. Let's hear what Jesus decides. Just make your decision. I have my opinion, but I'm too modest a person. I won't say it. Not that Jewish mothers are known for coming on strong and taking charge. No, that never happens. Who's ever heard of us? Anyway. Now, we shouldn't look down on the mother of James and John. I mean, there's something very good about what she's doing. For one thing, the verse that she makes her request right after this very depressing note in verses 18 through 19 where he says he's going to be going to Jerusalem and it's very gloomy. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be condemned to death. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be scourged. He's going to be crucified. But the mother here, she picks up on this high note in verse 19 when he says the third day he shall rise again. So she's raising the hopes by anticipating how Jesus is going to be raised from the dead to be exalted into glory. She's believing he's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She sees beyond the cross. She sees beyond the grave. She sees through the resurrection. She sees to glory. And this is a wonderful thing about her. And she now is, is looking toward his exaltation and uh, to where her sons might be on the right hand and left hand. Now, what I've described here may not actually have been the case because it really does look like James and John wanted these two positions on their own and they put their mother up to making this because this is actually how it's described in Mark 10, 35. Mark 10, 35 says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him saying, Master, we would that thou should do this whatsoever we shall desire. He said unto them, what would you that I should do to you? They said, grant unto us that we may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. So the Lord knew that the request was not really coming from their mother, even though their mother was involved, but that James and John were really behind this. And so that's why when he gives his answer in verse 22, he doesn't address the mother. He addresses them in verse 22 when it says, but Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. She didn't say, you know not what they should have to do. He says, are you able to drink the cup and so forth? And another indication that James and John were behind this request is the reaction of the apostles, which was in verse 24, when the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation, not against the mother, but they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now, again, 
she seems to be really, Salome here, the mother, seems to be the first in the book of Matthew to really acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the great King of Kings. And that's why we read in verse 20, she was worshiping him. Now the Lord now goes on to show how James and John were wrong by doing what the Lord described in verse 25. They were exercising dominion. They were uh, dominion over. They were trying to exercise authority upon and it was wrong for James and John to desire to be over the other apostles. And this is interesting for us in particular because when you, the Bible really doesn't describe any sins of John. John's the beloved. Lots of things that, that Peter did, but John, no. We don't have any description of the sins of John except for here. And it helps us to understand John a little bit better and how John is really talking about himself when he describes being cleansed from sin in 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.7, where John said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, his truth is not in us. The real point about that, 1 John 1, 7 and 8, is all the use of the words we and our and us. And every time he's using that, he's including himself as if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's refreshing to see that about John. I always held Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim Mater, in the highest position. I don't remember on this particular day what we were talking about, but I do remember whatever we were talking about, how Jim and I, how afterward he prayed this prayer, Lord, cleanse our hearts. <laughs> cleanse our hearts. You know, it's one thing for a leader to teach you by his life how to stay away from sin. It's another thing for a leader to teach you by his life how to rise up after sin. That's what I remember about James. Anyway, what James and John wanted was to be glorified before they were crucified. They wanted to be exalted before they were abased. So in these next verses, in verses 22 to 27, the Lord explains, he's explaining to his disciples, their thinking has to change. Their thinking has to change because they were thinking that the path to greatness was through self-promotion, self-exaltation by building themselves up. And the Lord is showing them, it's got to all change, boys. It's got to all change because he's already held up to them. And it's almost like you can almost see him and hear him saying, do you remember what I showed you in the Matthew 18, two through four? In Matthew 18, two through four, that I held up for you a model for what you should strive for to become great. In Matthew 18, two, Matthew 18, two, he's already said, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself 
as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then to further illustrate this road to greatness, the Lord now turns their eyes from themselves to look at Christ and what he's done by showing them how he has become a servant and a minister. And the Lord does this with this very simple statement, which is really the key for this passage here, which is in verse 28. Verse, it all is crystallizing down to verse 28, where he says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. This is what he's describing himself as, like a minister and a servant, but most particularly, He's coming down to this point. This is where he's all leading to. Give himself a ransom for many. This word, many, this Greek word, poulos in Greek, this word many, it's not meaning a select number as in part of a group, like many within a group. It's not that. The Lord here, by what he said and how he has constructed this sentence, is driving an emphasis, and the emphasis is his life for many. He would give his life a ransom for many. What he's doing here is he's driving two sides of in this statement, his life a ransom for many. On one side is his life, and on the other side, is many, that's what he wants us to see, is this two sides, his life on one side and many on the other. This is the point he's making when he says, give his life a ransom for many. His point is, and what's being driven here, is one life, one solitary life, his life was sufficient or enough to be the ransom for many. One for many, that's what he's saying here. One ransom for many, one substitute for many, one instead of many, that's what's being driven here. It's one life for many, verse 28, verse 28. His life, a ransom for many. One blood for many, Matthew 26, 28. Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Again, it's this comparison that he's making. One, many, one, many. One life for many. One blood for many. One gift of God for many. Romans 5.15, Romans 5.15. The gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. One lamb for many, one lamb for many. Behold, uh, John 1.29, John 1.29. Behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, many. And this is the point in verse 28 here, chapter we're in, verse 28. His life, a ransom for many. So it's this one life for many. It's this one lamb for many. It's this one gift for many. It's this one blood for many. One instead of many. 
And I like to say that you could use this name as a new name for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful name. It's a wonderful name for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can use this for worshiping Christ, and the name is One for Many. You are, Lord Jesus, the one for many. It sums up what he's saying here in verse 28. Verse 28, when he says, his life, a ransom for many. There's only one person who could be this one for many. Only Jesus Christ could be the one for many. And this is the concept, this is the concept behind the Day of Atonement, behind the Yom Kippur, behind the one sacrifice for all the people on the Day of Atonement. This is the essential difference between the Passover and the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur and the Passover, and it has to do with the number of sacrifices, the number of sacrifices. For the Passover, during the Passover, there were many sacrifices. There were many lambs, there were many goats that were killed. As a matter of fact, each family had to have its own animal or sacrifice for Passover, and the big emphasis And there was an emphasis on all those lambs, all those goats, all those many lambs and goats, was that each person of the many, each person of the many had to identify with a particular lamb or goat as part of the family sacrifice. Exodus 12.3, Exodus 12.3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them Every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If the household be too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb should be without blemish. So the emphasis here on Exodus 12.5, Exodus 12.5, is your lamb, your individual personal lamb. Each person had to take his step forward with his own decision, and he had to personally and individually say, yes, this lamb is my lamb. That was the whole point of Exodus 12.5. This lamb is my lamb. This is what's so important when a person comes to Christ. There's no such thing as we and us and our receiving Christ. There is only I and me and my receiving Christ. Yes, I take Jesus as my Savior. Just like I told you when I sit in the emergency exit on American Airlines and the flight attendant comes to all six of us sitting in that emergency exit and she says the same thing every time. You are now sitting in the emergency exit. And in order for you to sit here, you have to be willing to assist the other passengers in the event of emergency. See, I got it down pretty well. I could actually be a flight attendant to tell them. (laughs) And she says, and I need to have you make a verbal confirmation from each one of you individually. And then she points to each one of us individually and says, are you willing to assist the passengers in the event of emergency? And she's got to hear Yes, I am. Otherwise, you ain't sitting in that chair. And that's like God says to each person, Christ died for your sins. Are you willing to take Jesus as your Savior? And there can be no, yes, we are, 
It must be personal. It must be individual. It must be a clear, yes, I am, just like for the flight attendant American Airlines. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.